One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. It's your host, Scott Needham. I am an Amazon seller and a software developer. Really, I'm like an Amazon software developer. And what that, uh, what this podcast is all about is finding technology uh, to help you, um, you know, to implement into your business and to make your Amazon selling better. And uh, this uh, today I have a piece of tech that I sought out myself and I was actually fairly patient. I think it took about a month or two before I finally um, got our guests to agree to jump on. I've got Rail Klein from Nozzle. Welcome. Hey, Scott. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so Rail, um, you come from a background of developing advertising tech and what yeah. you've built no one else has in the amazon space <laughs> so i had to because like the last thing i want to do is bring on another like bid optimizer out there because like there's, yeah. there's like 30 of them very cutthroat they sure. all want they all want amazon sellers but you um with nozzle you're thinking more about lifetime value yeah uh, of customers yeah like, exactly true, true brand building so um, give us a little bit about your background and how you uh, started to approach the Amazon seller world. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my previous business was a technology business where we were focused on the just the wider online advertising ecosystem. And um, I guess in some ways similar to how the Amazon uh, PPC works, or more specifically, actually closer to how Amazon's DSP works, um, what happens is when a page loads, um, in real time, literally milliseconds, there's a real time auction to show to show an ad to someone, and so you have to submit a bid. When it gets chosen, when does the ad get shown? Um, and so, what we were doing were we were building custom technology and specifically custom bidding algorithms to decide what price you should submit in this auction to show an ad to someone. So that's kind of super in the weeds in some ways, but you would look at things like. Um, you know, what time of day, what website, what is the context of, you know, the the, um, the ad to be shown. But actually the golden data set, the most valuable thing by far, was the data we used to what we call train models on, but what happens after that ad shown, right? And do they interact with it? Does somebody click? Does somebody ultimately purchase something? And crucially, what happens after they purchase something, right? Do they go buy again or, um, you know, 10 days later, 30 days later, even six months later, we're constantly tracking the behavior to quantify the impact of that initial ad that happened. Yeah. Um, and, and that gets to the idea of the lifetime value. Yeah. So if you've heard me on every episode of this podcast, I have maybe one or two guests actually talk about this, <laughs> about yeah. repeat purchase rate. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. In the Shopify world, it's like everything, you know. It's uh, table stakes. And uh, <laughs> in Amazon, we actually don't always think this way. We yeah. think about organic ranking. Um, but there are some areas that are so competitive on Amazon that uh, the, the, the pay-per-click is so high that the only way you can justify, you know, spending so much in ads is if you know what is the lifetime value? And yep. so, um, and exactly. 
And, and um, I, I think you, you even have some experience with, um, you know, gaming and I, and I presume yes. mobile, mobile games where yeah, like, yeah. Um, I get those ads sometimes. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I think on a few different apps, like I haven't played in a, a, in like five or six months, that's kind of like a personal discipline thing. But like, there's been some times where like, you know, I, I probably spent, you know, tens of dollars on these apps. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah. they know me, they know that like, get me, you know, that yeah. I, yeah. I will like, uh, pay. <laughs> yeah. And, and interestingly, they will also be building you know, what's called lookalike uh, audiences. Like how do we find similar people to Scott, right? Um, to go to go show ads to. But ultimately our most successful um, customers were the gaming companies because they were totally um, obsessed with this idea of customer lifetime value, which put another way is just essentially profit per customer um, over time. Um, and so they would say to us, hey, we know that after six months, um, an average customer is worth, I don't know, $100, $150, whatever it may be. Um, and so... You know, having that information when you're thinking about how much you prepare to pay uh, to show an ad to someone, that's a crucial piece of information, right? Like what we call customer acquisition costs, which is how much you prepare to pay to acquire a customer, is pretty much the flip side of the idea of um, customer lifetime value, right? How much, how profitable is someone, and therefore how much can I spend to acquire someone, right? Like those are just kind of the two, the fundamental sort of business equation. And so, you know, we we were doing these um, customer algorithms really successfully. Um, we decided to sell that business about two, two and a half years ago now. Um, but really, then for me, it was kind of thinking this is such a powerful idea that it worked really well. Um, you know, where else can we sort of apply this idea, right? Like variation on a theme, really. And came across the Amazon ecosystem where, you know, Amazon is just so uniquely placed where they've got the whole sort of advertising piece. Um, but crucially, of course, they've got all the transaction, the order data that happens afterwards. And, um, you know, nobody was really sort of looking to try and join these data sets and tell a story around um, the customer. And in fact, the whole Amazon ecosystem, in our view, is very ASIN or product focused, right? It gives you a lot of data on like what's going on with your products. Um, but really sellers have no idea what's going on with their customers. Like what does the customer behavior look like? And really the central thesis for Nozzle is, you know, to succeed now on Amazon, you really need to think about building a brand. It's not enough to just think about selling products anymore. And one of the, the best ways to build a brand is ultimately, um, to have a, a you know an army of loyal of loyal customers ultimately people that just buy from you over and over again, um, and in this environment where it's you know getting it's a really tough environment on Amazon right now uh, for various reasons, um, you know having using your most important asset which is your your customers understanding you know what their behavior is doing and using that information to actually. Uh, build a business and separate yourself from the competition. We can talk about specifically what you know, what sort of data we're talking about here. Um, that is a really powerful idea, right? And, yeah. and and that's and that's what Nozzle's focused on. So it's not Nozzle's not so much focused on like you know the custom bidding algorithms. We're not a bid management tool, any of that sort of stuff. We're actually focused on what is that customer journey look like, and you know what does the customer behavior look like, and of course a lot of the actions you're taking off the back of that will feed back into your PPC or, or your or your DSP strategy. Yeah. But first and foremost, it's just shining a light on your customers. So um, we're we're talking, you know, about brand building on Amazon. That's not an easy thing. No. no. But there are some categories that, if you're in this category, your ear should perk up. In particular, if you're in, uh, you know, one of the consumable categories where people really do come back, 
you know, yeah. month after month to buy the same thing. And getting that first purchase can be so valuable. So we're thinking like, you know, grocery, uh, pet, uh, health and beauty, um, and um, supplements obviously is going yeah. to be pretty massive. Um, anything that just lends itself to repeat order or repeat purchase, it doesn't have to be the same product that's bought over and over again, right? You can start off from product A and then go to product B or whatever it is, just something that's bought again within the brand. Uh, so household sort of consumables or cleaning liquids or any of that sort of stuff. Interestingly, clothing um, is something that, which I never thought actually would have um, a lot of sort of cross purchases, but that's turning out to have actually quite quite a, a decent number. So yeah, anything in those sort of categories. Um, I actually yeah. did a LinkedIn a LinkedIn post earlier today, just posting some numbers on. We did analysis across our entire um, sort of cust um, customer base, which is what what is the actual average order per customer for certain categories? Yeah, right? like so I, I can even see that like when you say apparel, that makes me think actually like baby is one yeah, of those categories totally. <laughs> that you know if you get some brand loyalty like you're like oh like this brand just always has this aesthetic and so the apparel can like yeah. you know uh continue on that um now what's really cool and i hope like everyone's like we've been working up like the um the, the thinking behind this but like ultimately, there's some recommendations that you guys are able to to give to be yeah. like, hey, you actually because of your lifetime value on this product, um, you can actually spend 100% ACOS on <laughs> in, in advertising, yeah. and it will <clears throat> um, it'll be worth it. You'll make money in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I mean, this kind of comes back to this. We've never liked the idea of an ACOS. And again, Amazon's just super, super focused on what happens on that first purchase um, and nothing that happens afterwards. And so the whole idea of return on ad spend or an ACOS or the or break even ACOS even, um, the underlying assumption there is somebody's just buying once from you, right? And so you work out all these numbers and it's just for one order. But actually, um, you know, we would give you the data to say, well, what actually is that number, right? It's not just once. Um, for all these categories that we've just spoken about, turns out it's a lot higher than once on average, right? Now, I'm not talking your top 10% or whatever it is. I'm talking on average. Um, and so actually, um, offhand, I know some of the numbers. Like we know that in supplements, on average, it's 1.8 times the average customer buys from you. And for food and, food and drink, it's also 1.8 I think uh, health and beauty is about 1.4 times. But what this fundamentally means is this whole idea of, of, of ACOS or, or break-even ACOS um, is just wildly out, right? You're completely under um, underestimating how much you could actually pay to acquire someone. So you, what, is, what do you mean by 1.8 times? That means the average person buys 1.8 times from you? Correct. Correct. Okay. That's exactly so, it. That's exactly um, it. And so, and so, this assumption of somebody of of, of the, the whole underlying assumption of ACOS is somebody's just buying once from you, right? And what does it take to break right. even on that first purchase? So, and let's say, let's say your brand was really, really good, and you actually got to two. Let's yeah. say a brand got to like on average, you know, someone buys from you twice. Then that means the first time you paid for that customer, the second time you didn't pay for them for um, free. <laughs> you got them for free, full margin. Yes, and, um, exactly, exactly. And so what that means is, um, you know, if, if my break even a cost, I don't know, let's call it 25% or something like that. Um, if somebody on average is buying twice from you, 
that means you can effectively double that break-even ACOS, right? It's now become 50% instead of the 25 because someone's buying twice, not once from you. And that's just such a powerful, um, you know, powerful idea here that in an environment of like rising CBCs and all sort of, you know, all sorts of cost pressures, um, it gives you the freedom to not have to break even on that first purchase. That's so, ultimately what, yeah. you know, what this can mean. So um, what types of recommendations like are you seeing nozzle top yeah. out at? Yeah. So there's, um, I mean, broadly speaking, it depends on the goals of, of um, you know, of the brand. And so it's kind of like a spectrum. On the one side, you would have um, focus on profitability. And if you want, and, and on the other side, it's going to be focus on growth broadly speaking. So what does profitability mean? Well, one of the easiest, I wouldn't say easy, but one of the most effective ways, let's say, um, of increasing profitability is to increase that repeat order rate, right? And so we would be able to say to you, um, you know, what is your customer retention rate? Like how many people buy once? How many people buy twice? How many people buy three times? Is that, you know, let's, let's assume 20% of your customers buy twice, at least twice. We could say to you that, for instance, actually, according to your category, you're below average, right? Let's think of ways to increase that customer retention rate. And that could be via subscribe and save offers. It could be via inserts. It could be via remarketing, whatever it may be, because that's going to increase your profitability because that second purchase and that third purchase is not costing you anything um, to do. And so that's really going to increase your profitability. On the other side of the spectrum are the ones that are very growth focused. And so here the starting point can be quite different. I mean, this is a true story. We have a customer where, I mean, this is like an eight-figure um, seller, where 80% of all the sales are actually from repeat orders. I mean, it's, it's so yeah, it's just nuts, right? It's like it's pet food. <laughs> so it's just, that, that's, that's, that's an extreme example, but I'm just trying to sort of il il illustrate the case here. And so 80% of all your sales are coming from repeats. And on the one hand, that's amazing because yeah. you, know, you, you don't have to pay anything. Most of your um, revenue, most of the sales you're generating, you don't have to actually work hard to get that. But on the other, the, the other side of it is actually you, you could be missing out on a significant opportunity here because if you focus your effort and your ads on new to brand, you've got such a strong product that you just know that you're going to retain customers and it's going to be profitable um, over time, right? And so the recommendations there are very different around, okay, you can spend a hell of a lot more than you first thought, firstly, to acquire someone. Yeah. And secondly, you need to focus on, on, on new to brand, right? Like awareness yeah. campaigns and sponsored yeah. brands and DSP and that makes all those me sorts of things. That makes me want to get into the dog treat business. <laughs> what, I mean, what a good business because, you know, um, I think the way that uh, people think about, you know, feeding their pets, it's not, the, it's not the same way you think about feeding yourself. We're very fickle with like what we eat because there's so many yeah. options. But like you get something good for your <laughs> pet, you're going you're gonna to just keep getting the same thing. Totally. I think there's less... Uh, you know, you're making the decision fewer. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's 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 worth it's it's worth pointing out that um, I guess the idea of subscribing so so people would, um, in a way, I would say. Um, conflates the idea of repeat order with, with subscribe and save. So in order to have a good repeat order business and a high customer lifetime value business, it needs to be a really good fit for subscribe and save. And we've actually seen that's really, really not the case. There are plenty of phenomenal businesses that have over 50% of all their sales are coming from repeats, 
but actually only a tiny fraction is coming from subscribing save. Do you know why I think that some people like benchmark really high on subscribe and save? Because it may be their only way of tracking their uh, yeah. repeat purchases. <laughs> because they're yeah. not they're not using something that's jumping into the to the data of like, yeah. hey, looking at these orders, here's who's doing, you know, here are the customers that are coming back over and over and over again. Exactly. And yeah. and it mirrors my behavior as well. Like I I buy a lot of the same things over and over again on Amazon, but I don't subscribe and save to anything, right? If I'm no, doing no, me, I don't know, garbage do bags and all sorts of random things that I'm buying no. over and over again, but I'd never subscribe and save. And so no. um, I would certainly caution against trying to think about um, using subscribe and save as like a proxy for repeat orders and stuff like that. That's really good for certain products. Like, yes, if I'm selling supplements and it's a 30 day supply of supplements, turns out, sure, most people want their next order arriving in 29 days time, right? Like that's a good yeah. fit, but there's just the majority of products are, are just not a good I, fit. It's <laughs> like, I am uh, too irregular of a person to like actually <laughs> ever commit to like yeah. every month. Because, Absolutely. You know, maybe I go through garbage bags really fast one month. The next month I'm traveling, you know. I was about to say that, traveling 100%. So, um, um, yeah, so, so I think even though we can break our subscribe and save and tell you sort of, you know, are they more valuable than normal repeats or whatever it is. But, um, yeah, it's just something I think we learned, which was kind of expected, but a little bit unexpected, I guess. Um, but anyway, that's a bit of an aside. So um, what are the specific, what do you think are the most important numbers uh, yeah. that your like that you know someone jumps on the nozzle and they, yeah. they should like be like i want to see these three numbers or whatever <laughs> yeah totally um so i think the way we would look at it is like almost the fundamental equation of your business is this idea of how profitable is is, is a customer um, and therefore, how much can I pay to acquire a customer? And how do those, how do I move the levers that influence those two, those two things, right? And so, if you think about the the customer lifetime value or the profit per customer side, the way, the ways in which you would be able to increase that side of the equation would be trying to get people to buy more frequently, or trying to get them to increase the, um, the average order value, right? Or, and this is obviously much harder to do, is to make it more profitable, right? Like, so your margins and things like that, that's really, really tough to do in this environment. So that's kind of out of the question. But this idea of trying to get people to buy more frequently from you, and as I said, it doesn't have to be the same product over and over again, right? It could be they buy a 30-day supply of the pet food, and then they upgrade to the 90-day supply of the pet food, right? And so you've increased your AOV, um, and we can track all these sorts of things. And so um, that, for me, is about retention rates. Um, and that's about whether it's remarketing uh, for some products, it could be good for subscribe and save. Oh. It could be around product inserts as well. Obviously, terms of service uh, compliant ways to do that. Um, and um, yeah, those and, and there's more sort of beta products, I guess, now around the customer engagement tool where you can email customers, right? And so we're obviously looking at that really, really carefully around um, how do we, yeah, can that increase the, the customer lifetime value, right? Um, getting them yeah. to buy when, when you're launching new products. And so those are the, the, um, those are the ways in which you can increase the lifetime value. So we, the, the way the inputs into the LTV would be retention, customer retention rates, AOVs, and seeing how these things trend over time and how they translate into a better um, customer lifetime value. On the other side of the equation is, is this idea, how much am I currently paying to acquire a new brand customer? customer acquisition cost. And so um, just very simply, you, we would be adding up all your PPC spend. So sponsored brands, sponsored brand videos, sponsored displays, sponsored products per ASIN per month and dividing that by the number of new to brand customers that you're getting 
per month for that ASIN. So how, literally how much am I spending um, to acquire a new brand customer? And then we would be comparing the two, right? Your LTV and your customer acquisition costs and saying, actually, you can afford to spend double. Your, your customer acquisition cost currently is $5 last month. Um, you know, your, your three-month lifetime value is $15. Um, you can pretty much treble how much you're paying to yeah. acquire someone today. Um, and so then think about what you want to be doing on the ad side, right? How, how you want to carve up that budget or what, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, um, the software business is actually kind of similar. Like, uh, this is an equation where, like, with <laughs> well, LTV <yeah>. <laughs> over CAC, <clears throat> lifetime value exactly. divided by cost of acquiring a customer. <clears throat> yep. Totally. I mean, these these are the fundamental metrics that we run nozzle by as well. So when someone signs yeah. up to nozzle, I'm thinking about the, exactly the same thing. It's slightly yeah. different context, um, but I'm thinking about the same thing. You know, <laughs> I I know that like the, those formulas are like really key, and um, especially in justifying the spending, where like you're like, hey, yes. you know what? In this scenario, we are profitable long term, and so you want to scale that. And when I yes. say scale, I mean like just spend more money. <laughs> there, there could be some situations where like the numbers tell you to like spend infinite amount of money here. <laughs> oh, we had those conversations with the gaming companies back in the day, right? Like the conversations were sort of being, well, what's your budget? And they would be like, well, it's infinite as long as you can deliver us, you know, like a, a, an acquisition cost of this. And it's like, hey, that's, it's not, I get what you're saying, but it's not really helpful <laughs> telling me it's an infinite budget, but yeah, I, I get exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, so you, you, you hinted a little bit about where, you know, wh where you were going, how, how long has Nozzle been around? Yeah, we've been around. So last year we started testing, uh, with a cohort of like sort of 20 customers and just making sure, um, you know, they're just, I guess, ultimately testing the product. I mean, one, one of the things, um, of course, we noticed early on is, um, you know, a, a lot of sellers aren't used to, I guess, thinking in, in this particular way, right? So Amazon, as I said in the beginning, is very product-centric. It's very focused on, on what happens on that first purchase. Um, and so we just wanted to test our assumptions around, um, you know, what does it take to get people to, what are the blockers to get people to think about more long-term instead of just the first purchase, um, you know, things like that. So, yeah, we started testing last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've grown, we've grown really well. We have a web app now, uh, launched in sort of November. We're going to have some, you know, new updates, all that sort of stuff. But awesome. yeah, I mean, last year is when we started, we started testing the tool. Well, welcome to the Amazon software game. I really like, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to send this to two other people that I'm thinking of that, uh, that are in the space that this is how they're, they're kind of thinking. And so, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, what's, what's super interesting for us now is that, you know, we've got enough of a, sort of customer base where we can start providing like benchmark information, right? So like one of the things I was talking about earlier is one of the most common follow-up questions we get is, okay, this is my, let's say my customer retention rate, 20%, uh, whatever it is. Is that good or bad? Like, I, you know, people, what is the context behind this number, right? Like how am I comparing? And so we're actually getting to a point oh, now, boy. which is quite nice to say like, now you know, you're in the, you're in the top 10% or you're in the sort of bottom 30%. Now you're, now you're selling hard because if there's one thing people like get crazy about, that's like, how, that's like, like how they, how they stack up against their neighbor, their competition. But, but, but it ultimately helps drive. So, so if you have like a really, really good retention rate, um, you probably, you know, you, you don't have to focus on that particular ASIN, for instance, right? It just helps you prioritize 
what ASINs need help and, 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 you know, you can revisit this maybe in a quarter's time or something like yeah. that, but it just helps with that sort of prioritization. Like, actually, this is doing pretty, pretty damn well. It's trending in the right direction. I can move on to something else for the, for the next quarter, that kind of stuff. Um, I, I love it. Um, so, um, well, um, I didn't give you a heads up for this route. Um, but I like to ask all of my guests, yeah. uh, what is a smart hack that, uh, you have found that's worked for you in either life or business, you know, t- let, let's, yeah. let's peel back the, um, the, the, the data scientist <laughs> and uh, sure. leave our guests with something. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, it's an interesting one. Um, in the journey for like building nozzle, um, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not an Amazon seller, right? Like I don't come from, um, you know, that, that sort of background. I haven't sold something myself on Amazon. And so what's super interesting for me is almost this idea of like, and I, I mean this, I mean this in a good way, in the best possible way, I guess, but don't trust the experts. And, and so like fundamentally go back to your sort of core assumptions um, of, of why people do things. And so when I said we would start a testing last year uh, with a bunch of customers, um, a lot of people, rec- you know, the common wisdom is to do things in a particular way. But actually, when you speak to the 20 trial customers that we were dealing with, it turns out the reality is quite different, right? And so like the sort of received wisdom um, of the time um, going back to just first principles and kind of questioning those sort of assumptions um, and validating them ultimately. Um, that's kind of the business thing for me. I just think that's, um, you know, don't take anything for granted. And, and, and what like for this business to be successful, what are the assumptions that need to be true for this to work? And then find out a quick way um, to test whether they're, they're true. And they're often kind of contrary to what you initially thought. Um, and if you sort of read around what people are saying, um, it often doesn't line up with that. So I think that's kind of a, a sort of an honest process that you'd need to run when building a product and how to validate uh, whether that's working. Um, another one that's kind of personal and business, I guess, is um, just in a way, just, I think that I would kind of call it like just going to primary sources. So <laughs> what that means is um, when someone says, um, references something, um, the context of that stuff really matters. So trying to actually go back to the original document or the original source of what someone actually said, um, and just, you don't have to read the whole thing, but just kind of get the wider context of, of, of what something, uh, of, of what's been uh, written or said, I think has been really, really helpful as well, I guess, in validating. And that's just kind of this, in a way, both of these things are kind of drawn together by this kind of truth-seeking aspect of what, you know, of, 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 you of know what, what I'm doing. And whether that's in the personal sort of situation or whether that's validating a product situation, just trying to go back to first principles and, and original sources to kind of validate things, right? <laughs> I, I hope that at its best, this podcast uh, helps people like, you know, challenge some of their assumptions. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that some of my opinions have uh, come through the weeds here and there. So, you know, don't take me on everything because, you know, every business is a little bit differently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For just, just to bring it back to uh, what you were saying, like, you know, maybe your um, repeat purchase rate is lower in your category. Okay. Well, then what does that mean? You know, how do you react and how, how do you see your growth? Like, just because it's low doesn't mean that like it's not a good business. Absolutely. Uh, 100%. I mean, yeah. one of the most interesting things I think 
just in a pure sort of hack tactical sense we've seen is we've seen some customers even before the sort of inflation narrative you know happens so we're talking i don't know even a year ago you, um people actually there's people you can you have more pricing power than you think and so we've had some customers that have actually increased prices um and actually has resulted in a better business. There's better margins, better LTV, and you've got a loyal customer base that is not as sensitive um, to price increases. And you know, if you've got a good sort of position in the market, um, you can, you know, people just think that prices can go one way on Amazon. And we've had some, you know, three or four kind of really um strong uh use cases or uh, sorry examples rather where people have increased prices and and not lost new to brand customers or loyalty and just increased margins and ltv off the back of that so um yeah it's 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 not uh, you know uh, it's certainly not blanket advice um but it's really about but that's that's what comes with you if you're after building a brand um you know these are these are the things that can allow you to do like once you you know once you've hit that point Love it. Well, um, Rail, thank you so much for uh, coming and talking. Like, uh, lots of, you know, I love that you're bringing an outside uh, advertising comp- uh, perspective into the Amazon world. Um, <laughs> it, what, what I think it's a very interesting parallel, you know, something coming from like, uh, you know, advertising for games. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to like the ecosystem that is Amazon PPC, which, you know, is a $30 billion business. So um, indeed, <laughs> you you got to get the right analysis. And I don't think it's ju- the, the answer is not just to find a bid optimizer, but it's to know what your advertising is accomplishing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, taking a more strategic long-term view, uh, all those sort of things, right? As we're one, we're just one piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Rail, how can uh, I mean uh, to tell me about your website and uh, how sure. people can uh, you know follow up? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the website is uh, nozzle.ai, N-O-Z-Z-L-E.ai. Um, if people want to reach out to me, LinkedIn is probably the best, or email is probably the best way to do that. So just rail, R-A-E-L, Klein, C-L-I-N-E. Just look me up, ping me. Always, I can chat for hours about this sort of stuff. So yeah. even if it's um, just questions and all that sort of stuff, I'm very happy to jump on calls. <laughs> then, then how uh, how long does it take, you know, connecting to your platform to like yeah. actually develop some of these insights? Yeah, so um, we have a free trial anyway. Someone can just sort of go to the website, sign up for free. Um, when you connect to Nozzle, it goes back two full years, right? Amazon's APIs allow us to go back two full years. And so when we show you the, yeah, so when we show you the insights on the, um, you know, what your customers have been doing, like this is a chunky data set that, that can tell a, you know, tell a story, um, that's reliable. So, um, yeah, depending how long that takes, I mean, for most sellers, it would take like maybe a day's a day and a half, something like that on. But we've had we've had enormous customers that are doing north of 100 million, and unfortunately, Amazon's APIs are quite slow, and you'd be waiting five six days for that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that's an outlier. I, I, I hear you. Okay, so if you're a big seller, be a little bit patient. Well, a little Rel, bit patient. Hopefully, it's worth it. Yeah, Rel, thank you so much for coming on, um, and uh, actually, thank you for building this tool. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I have actually had someone request this. Uh, type of tool before. So um, amazing. Good to know. You saved me some dev time. Um, (laughs) Cool. Well, Well, thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's, uh, it's been great. And uh, yeah, if anyone's got any questions, we're happy to answer them.
All right. Well, um, with that, we will, uh, you know, finish this week's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. You know what? Tell your friends and family, or just tell your fellow Amazon sellers about the podcast and about Nozzle. So um, I look forward to uh, releasing more episodes in the future and I hope you have a great 2022 in selling. All right. Take care. One, two, three. (laughs)